you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hi, Owen. This is Jenna from Michigan. Um, just want to say that I really enjoy your show. Um, I was wondering uh, what you think is the line between typical right-wing BS talking points and full-blown QAnon at this point. Um I'm kind of trying to figure out where my mom stands without really fully asking her. I'll give you a preliminary breakdown of it. Moderate right wing is basically, you know, people who want lower taxes and people who are pro-life and things like that um, and anti-LGBT, but not extremely anti-LGBT. That's kind of the moderate right. The right, not the far right and not the moderate, but just plain the right is the election was stolen from Trump. And as you move further to the right, you start getting into like vaccine conspiracy and things like that. Once you hit QAnon level, you're just fucking gone. That's stuff like the people in power have been replaced by clones and they have been running things for the deep state behind people's backs they've been trying to open the borders so that kids can get in so they can capture these kids and sacrifice them to satan that that's the level we're dealing with with QAnon. that's like far far right territory but sadly the far right is growing larger and larger let's keep listening there's more i know she believes that the election was stolen and that's right to far right although a lot of people on the right tend to believe that it's not just a small group it's a lot she told me not to get the vaccine because of trackers and now she's saying there's graphene oxide in the boosters now you've hit far right graphene oxide stuff uh, tracking mechanisms that's far right that's that that is QAnon territory absolutely right there you know i told her that that's bs and she wouldn't believe me she said that the sites that i gave her were paid off um i know she listens to people like amanda grace and robin bullock and pretty sure cat Kerr. those people are absolutely QAnoners. definitely your mom is QAnon for sure at this point, if she's li- li- I'm sorry, if she's listening to Kat Kerr and Robin Bullock and Amanda Grace, I-, I think I've covered Amanda Grace on my channel before, but only once or twice. Um, they are full blown wing nuts. Absolutely. And it sounds like your mom is definitely in the QAnon movement or at least parallel to it. I'm just wondering, because it seems like the line is getting pretty blurred between the two at this point. So I'm just wondering what you think is just right-wing conspiracy and QAnon conspiracy. Thanks. Have a great night. Bye. Yeah, it definitely is. The line is getting a lot more blurred between far right and just kind of right. That's partly thanks to Trump, at least. He has been doing his best to push far right conspiracy theories, but unfortunately, he moved the Overton window to the right. He was the mainstream candidate for the right wing. 
he's the person that everybody listened to. I mean, he was the president of the United States. People listened to him and believed him and trusted the things that he said. Even people who weren't really that far right in the beginning listened to him and believed him. So Trump has effectively moved things that were originally just moderate right or even center right and and just pushed them out into la la land like can't even see them from where we're standing at this point you know i mean a whole full-blown cult rose up around the guy QAnon specifically rose up around this guy and it's sad to see everything get so polarized the way it has and i'm sorry you have to deal with that i wish there was something that we could do to try to pull people out, but it's a slow and arduous process. It's difficult and time-consuming, and it's something that not everybody has the time to do, sadly. Johan from Wuppertal, Germany, and I want to know your position on, like, say a religious organization was implying that they support a candidate uh like i think we should build a wall we should do this and this that um a political candidate has talked about do you think that the punishment should be the same or different interesting question to summarize from my understanding the question is should a religious organization be penalized for implying that they support a candidate a a political candidate first of all currently under the law the johnson amendment says that religious organizations or or more broadly 501c3 nonprofit organizations are not allowed to explicitly endorse or explicitly oppose political candidates. They can talk about, uh, you know, abortion. They can talk about LGBT rights or even civil rights or any other political uh, subject that they want to talk about. That's okay. But they can't explicitly oppose or endorse political candidates. So from my understanding, the question is, should they be penalized for implicitly supporting or opposing, like kind of slyly hinting at it. And in my opinion, the problem is that if you told them that they can't imply anything or they can't talk about certain subjects, that means that this whole thing is closed off to them. Like they can't talk about a huge branch of subjects that aren't necessarily political. The law is by necessity very specific. It has to be specific because there's always some scumbag out there that will find and exploit a loophole to it. As we have seen, I would like to see the Johnson Amendment broadened so that they can't take advantage of the the little loopholes by not just saying you guys should go out and vote for Donald Trump but saying you should vote for the candidate that believes in this policy and that policy and blah, blah, blah. That's obviously exploiting a loophole that was not intended by the Johnson Amendment. And I would like to see that loophole closed. But I don't want to bar churches from talking about subjects that may or may not be political, like abortion rights and things like that. I'm okay with that for freedom of speech reasons. That's just my take. I could be convinced otherwise.
Hi, Owen. This is Liza from North Carolina. I was wondering, you've talked before about whether or not the uh, governing body of Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witnesses really believe what they're saying. And um, you said that to, to some extent you think most of them probably do. I'm wondering, do you think Trump believes what he's saying? Do you think he genuinely believes he's winning, or do you think he's recognizing the following he has and trying to keep them in the game and keep them appeased and happy with it? Um, or do you think that he just is genuinely a little delusional about that? Not that we can diagnose it, but I'm just curious about your opinion on that. Hope you have a great evening. Good night. Interesting question. The old saying goes, a good liar believes their own lies. I think that quote is from George on Seinfeld. I'm not really sure, but the it stands. I mean, that's true. The best liar believes their own lies. If you really want to convince somebody of something, then you have to believe it yourself because that will get the most realistic reaction out of yourself and out of other people. I think Donald Trump probably starts out knowing that he's full of shit, but as time goes on, I think he slowly convinces himself of its truth more and more. And that's why we see him make these outrageous claims, like, you know, that the election was rigged and all that stuff. But you can see him, like, trying to convince other people of it, or, or trying to get people to back him up on it, like calling the Georgia governor, I think, or the, the head of the elections there or whatever, and saying, all we need is 11,000 votes. Find me 11,000 votes, or whatever it was. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes. I think you have to say that you're going to re-examine it. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, uh, that you've recalculated. Raffensperger refused. Well, Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong. In another tense exchange, the president pushed a conspiracy theory that a voting machine company tampered with ballots, even suggesting state officials hid illegal activity. Now, do you think it's possible that they uh, shredded ballots in uh, Fulton County? Because that's what the rumor is. And also that Dominion took out machines. Uh, that Dominion is really moving fast to get rid of their uh, machinery. Do you know anything about that? Georgia lawyer Ryan Germany shot that down. No, Dominion has not um, moved any machinery out of Fulton County. We're having well, but, no, but, but have they moved the inner parts of the machines and replaced them with other parts? No. You sure, Ryan? I'm sure. You should want to have an accurate election. And you're a Republican. We believe that we do have an accurate election. No, I know you don't. You can see him trying to convince other people of the delusion. So I don't think that he completely 100% buys it, but I think he wants to buy his own delusions and is willing to do anything that it takes to convince himself of it as well as others. Hi there, Telltale. My name is Jackie. I'm actually not from America. I'm from Canada. I'm from a province named Saskatchewan. And I just finished watching your latest Kenneth Copeland video, and I was just wondering if you ever, if you think that there will ever be a past or whether it's someone who's popular right now, like Copeland or uh, Ken Ham, 
or someone else in the future who might try and pull a book of Mormon and make just a whole new book of the Bible. Thank you for listening to my call. I hope you have a great day. Keep up the great work. Bye. Thanks. I appreciate that. I think that currently they are writing new books of the Bible, basically, but they're not really putting it down in books and trying to get it added to the canon. They're doing what would be considered prophesying in the same way that they believe that like Moses and Daniel and everybody else prophesied like saw the future and and put it down like revelating you know they believe they're doing the exact same thing so they could write out what they say in a new book and put it at the end of the Bible that's how serious they want you to take what they're saying they want you to take it as seriously as the book of Revelation, like dead serious. But the problem is that a lot of the people that are they're doing these prophecies, quote unquote, as they call them, they're contradictory. And there are a lot of them, as it turns out. I was actually looking at this YouTube channel the other day, Troy Black, I think. Yes, yeah, 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 it was Troy Black. YouTube channel's name is Troy Black. And he's pretty fucking big, he's got what, 285,000 subscribers? His whole channel is dedicated to revealing prophecy that God has given to him. And he did this video the other day. This is the video that kind of drew me to his channel in the first place. He was addressing why the prophets were all wrong about Donald Trump. He seems to believe that these people really were prophesying, really were basically writing new books to the Bible with what they were saying, and Donald Trump is in it. But for some reason, they got it wrong. And his justification after like this, I don't know, 30-minute long video or hour-long, I don't remember how long it was now, it was fucking long. His, his explanation after all of that was the prophets either got it wrong because... They weren't supposed to reveal that. God told them that Trump was going to win the election, but he didn't want them to tell anybody else. And as punishment for telling other people, God made sure that it didn't come true. That was his first possible explanation. His second explanation was maybe they mistook that, you know, God's words for their own desires. Maybe they thought that. God wanted this, but it was just what they wanted. So close to self-awareness, right? But like I said, this guy built his channel off of prophesying, revealing prophecy that God has been giving to him. So writing new books of the Bible is now mainstream, basically, in Protestant churches. It's kind of the thing to do. People believe that you can and that people do all the time. They believe that God reveals secrets to people all the time, just like he supposedly did to the Bible writers. It's just that now we're in a different era where writing isn't the primary means of communication like it was two, three, four thousand years ago. Now it's more like video essays or just social media, short little blurbs. So it's not passed around and read by everybody in the area like you know, certain manuscripts from the Bible were. The ultimate point here is they probably won't write a new book of the Bible and try to tack it to the end only because we live in an era where writing something like that isn't really what people do. It's not how they communicate their prophecy anymore. 
It's more like videos and social media posts and stuff. That guy's channel is a fucking trip, though, man. Troy Black, I think it was. Yeah, Troy Black. You guys should check that shit out. It is weird. Very fucking weird. Hey, Owen. This is Matthew again from Wayne County. I had a question regarding uh, things going on right now. And I especially noticed your poll about, you know, how we feel like Biden's doing right now and everything. For clarity, I posted a poll on my YouTube channel the other day, basically asking how Biden is doing or how people view him as a president. The overwhelming response was, eh, we're kind of right in the middle. And I think I generally agree with that. He could have been a lot worse. He's done some things that I really like. And he's not Trump, so there's the benefit right there. And it got me thinking about the Republican Party as a whole. And I was wondering, like, do you think there's any way they can kind of come back from any of this? Like, with them constantly kind of, like, spiraling further, further into extremism, do you think that they're going to end up coming out of that at some point or do you think it's basically just inescapable at this point and um do you think there was a a period of time where it's like a line was crossed where there's no coming back from this so i guess uh to keep it short do you think the republican party will eventually like stop being like more and more extremist and and cult-like, or do you think it's too late for them? And if it is too late, uh, when do you think was, uh, like, when do you think that line was crossed? Anyway, thank you and hope to hear from you. Really interesting question, and it's a complex question. Is it too late for the United States? I don't think it is. I don't think so. Is it too late for the Republican Party? I don't think it's too late for anything, really. I think it's too late for some people. Like Some people are just lost in delusion. Just really no chance of pulling them back to reality. But with that being said, we have to enter every situation assuming that the person that we're dealing with is savable. I view the prison system the same way. I don't want to make the assumption about any single prisoner that they're beyond redemption. We should come into every situation assuming that the people that we're dealing with can be rehabilitated. Even though there are people who can't. Even though there are some prisoners that are unsavable. They're just gone. Their, their minds are not like human brains. They're truly evil people, and they can't be helped. We have to assume they can be anyways. We have to afford that courtesy to every person that we deal with. Same with Trump supporters. That You know, a lot of them, especially QAnoners, are just gone. They're just gone. But we have to go into every situation assuming that we can help them in some way. Try to help them find their way back to reality, basically. As far as the statistics go, I think that the people who really buy a lot of Trump's stuff, a lot of the most extreme people, are largely older in, like, demographically. I think they lean on the older side. 
So if you think about it, in 30 years, if the propaganda stops flowing now, a lot of those people will have died off and the newer generation will rise up and start pushing things in a more progressive direction. If the propaganda stopped, we would see a leftward shift in the country. Things are getting really polarized right now, but lucky for us, the younger generation, by and large, is not leaning toward election theft and all of the other nonsensical claims that Trump supporters generally make. I think that for the most part, the United States is going to be okay. We're going to come out of this because we have a constant cycle of death and birth, death and birth. And as people grow up, their views change. And as they become more informed, their views change, things like that. As far as the Republican Party goes specifically, I think the Republican Party is going to have to shake Trump off before it can recover from what's been going on. It's going to have to move away from Trump, and the propaganda is going to have to stop. But it's kind of a long road ahead. I mean, Trump's dad lived into his 90s, right? Granted, the guy had Alzheimer's, so he wasn't all there in the end. And that may be something we have to look forward to for Trump, and not look forward to, but that may be something that Trump has to face, put it that way, in the future. But I'm assuming that we have probably 10 more years with Trump right now. That's what I'm looking at, of him trying to radicalize and, and make things worse and things like that. After that, for the most part, the Trumpist extremist propaganda will probably start to slow, if it doesn't slow before then. And then the younger generation can step up and move things further left. On a side note, the world as a whole is actually taking a leftward shift right now. Every four to eight years, we have a shift back and forth, you know, left, right, left, right. On the world stage and more specifically in the United States, there are these global and local shifts that take place. So it seems bleak right now, I know it does, but just give it a little bit of time and do your part to fight this propaganda that's happening and we'll, we'll come out the other side. Just give it a little bit of time. Dark Hunter, you're so modest, the way you, con you corrected yourself on look forward to referring to Trump possibly developing Alzheimer's. Yeah, I don't want anybody to get the impression that I'm excited about anybody's suffering, no matter who it is. I don't want anybody dead, um, and I, I didn't want to give that impression. And I know that phrase, look forward to, gives the impression of excitement. That's not the message that I want to send to people. Steve Brown, yes, dump Trumpism followed by the preachers. I know, but it's an uphill battle. <laughs> it's hard getting there. I just, you know, like I said, we've got probably 10 years to look ahead before Trump is out of the political game, probably a maximum of 10 years. At that point, I think we'll start moving away from propaganda a little bit more. But I have to say, Fox News and, and more broadly the Republican Party have been pushing out propaganda for a lot longer than Trump has been involved in politics. Trump just co-opted it. It's been around since the year 2000 at least. And longer than that, 
September 11th, when all that happened, I've been going through some of those old tapes and stuff for the sake of this Pat Robertson clip I'm going to be doing in a little while. On September 13th, two days after September 11th, Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson were saying the same type of propagandistic bullshit then, in 2001, that we hear now. What we saw on Tuesday, as terrible as it is, could be minuscule if, in fact, if in fact God continues to lift the curtain and allow the enemies of America to give us probably what we deserve. Well, Jerry, that's my feeling. I think we've just seen the, the antechamber to terror. We haven't even begun to see what they can do to the major population. I mean, the, ACLU, uh, the ACLU's got to take a lot of blame for this. Oh, yes. And I know I'll hear from them for this, but uh, throwing God or successfully with the help of the federal court system throwing God out of the public square, out of the schools. Uh, the abortionists have got to bear some burden for this because uh, God will not be mocked. And when we destroy 40 million little innocent babies, we make God mad. I, I really believe that the pagans and the abortionists and the feminists and the gays and the lesbians who are actively trying to make that an alternative lifestyle, the ACLU, People for the American Way, all of them who tried to secularize America I point the thing in their face and say, you helped this happen. Well, I, I totally concur. So this is a long-term problem. This isn't like something that just kind of popped up when Trump popped up. He just seized the reins and took control of it. That's the problem, really. It was already forming into something that was ready to be a cult. It just needed a leader to come along and seize power, and Trump did that. Faithless Forum is happening, and I've been meaning to announce this. It's taking place in November. Faithlessforum.com. Go to the website, and it'll show you the dates. We will be in person, but we're going to be extremely careful. We want to have herd immunity for the conference. You have to be vaccinated to attend. If you want to go, it's going to be a fun time. I'm going to be there, and Holy Kool-Aid and a bunch of other people are going to be there. I'm pretty excited about it. I meant to announce this before. I apologize that I didn't get to it sooner. But like I said, you can find tickets to it on faithlessforum.com and the dates and the everything that you'd need to know. It's all there, and it's going to be fun. And we will be very careful. Next, we're going to talk about Congressman Madison Cawthorn talking about how Christian the Jews in the Old Testament were. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to talk about is titled, Representative Madison Cawthorn is waging a spiritual battle against evil and vile Washington, D.C. This is written by Kyle Mantilla on rightwingwatch.org, and it actually came with a few clips. There are three clips that I wanted to watch about this. Uh, so let's read this article, and then we're going to check out some clips. Several Republican members of Congress, North Carolina state legislators, various candidates for office, and radical religious right activists gathered at Temple Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina last week 
for the North Carolina Faith and Freedom Coalition Salt and Light Conference. That is a long fucking sentence. That whole thing was a single sentence, and it was a proper sentence. It wasn't a run-on. But my God, that was a mouthful of a sentence to read. Anyways, among the politicians in attendance was Representative Madison Cawthorn, who used his time in front of his home state crowd to declare that he's waging a spiritual battle in the supposedly evil and vile Washington, D.C. against people like Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and her cold, evil eyes. Again, that was one full sentence. Holy shit, these guys know how to write a sentence. Anyways, I wanted to introduce you to this guy. Uh, I've talked about Representative Madison Cawthorn before, and I'm sure you've heard about him in the news, but just in case you haven't, I want to remind you guys of a couple of things he had to say in a recent public appearance that he had. Check this out. This was in Georgia, I believe. But my friends, you know, everything that we're sitting here talking about, we're all so passionate right now. The things that we are wanting to fight for, it doesn't matter if our votes don't count. Because, you know, if our election systems continue to be rigged and continue to be stolen, then it's, it's going to lead to one place, and it's bloodshed. Oh, shit. That's real. He may not realize how serious that is, or maybe he does. I don't know. But a public figure, a congressman, encouraging political violence is a new step. This is a new thing. People throughout U.S. history generally have agreed that allowing or encouraging violence, political violence, is a bad thing. We shouldn't do it. If we live in a civilized society, we can't do that shit. And here we are, they're doing it again. People are going to lose their lives, most likely as a result of what this guy is saying right now. We should be disturbed by the new low that he has taken. But in that same appearance, he had a little bit more to say. This this section was about the January 6th rioters. Listen to this. We are going to support the 535 Americans that were held captured in, from January 6th. Political hostages. So this is something that we are trying to figure out everything out about. And when we're seeking answers, they are giving us the biggest runaround that you possibly can imagine. And so uh, the, the big problem is we don't actually know where all the political prisoners are. And, and so if we were to actually be able to go and try and bust them out. And let me tell you, the reason why they're ta they've taken these political prisoners is because they're trying to make an example. This guy is encouraging the perception that the people who rioted and broke the law on January 6th, he wants people to believe that they are political prisoners and should be br busted out of jail. That's what he's saying. He just said they're political prisoners and we should try to go and bust them out of jail. Holy shit, that is a new low for a public representative, a U.S. federal congressman. To say this shit is serious shit. This is real. Well, he had more to say at his most recent public appearance. There are three clips in this I wanted to check out. So take a look at this one. It is time for the American Christian Church to come out of the shadows, to say no longer are we going to allow our culture to be determined by people who hate the things that we believe in. We are going to stand valiantly for God's, God's incredible, inerrant truths. I just want to point something out. Um, if anybody is on Satan's payroll, it's this guy. Who has two thumbs and is on Satan's payroll? 
This guy right here, okay? I don't hate you or the things you believe in. I don't give a shit. I want you to stop cramming it down my throat. That is it. That is all I'm asking. Is that really too much to ask? Do you have to go on a second set of crusades before you let it rest? Just fucking leave me alone. That is all I want. And this guy is out here propagandizing to people, telling them that people like me hate them. This is all part of the persecution complex. They need this for group loyalty, for camaraderie, for control. That's why they do this. For enthusiasm, for donations. Donald Trump controlled the entirety of the U.S. government. For two years, 2016 to 2018, he had the Supreme Court, he had the House of Representatives, he had the Senate, and he had the presidency. Why didn't they pass abortion reforms? Why didn't they do that? Why didn't they pass a bill that basically reverses any abortion protections afforded by the Supreme Court? They could have. They could have limited it in some way. Why didn't they? Do you know why? It's because... The pro-life movement brings in so much money. People are so enthusiastic about it. They absolutely need to solve this problem. And if it's solved, guess what? Suddenly, there are no more donations coming in for it. It's fixed. We're done. We don't have to work with this anymore. This is just my own personal conspiracy theory, but Donald Trump could have done something to solve that problem for the pro-lifers and he basically didn't do shit he could have done literally anything but that would have stopped the money flowing in that would have stopped the votes the the single issue voters who only vote republicans in to stop abortion that's the power of enthusiasm that's the power of the persecution complex and that's why he says and does the things that he says and does that's why he wants his audience to feel like they're hated. The enthusiasm factor. Anyway, let's keep listening. We are going to stand valiantly for God's, God's incredible, inerrant truths that predate any version of government. Because my friends, if we lose this country today, if we bend the knee to the Democrats today, our country will be lost forever and our children will never know what freedom is. It's our duty to stand up. I encourage you, let us stand united as men and women of faith to fight for our country. This kind of language is dangerous, and it's the kind of thing that he's been saying for a while. I thought this dude would learn after the, the news kind of came after him for that little bloodshed comment he made. It's going to lead to one place, and it's bloodshed. Apparently, he didn't fucking learn from that. What's it going to take for him to learn? Seriously, the news really raked him over the coals over that comment. They made the clear point that it is not safe to use that kind of language, to encourage political violence. And here we are, once again. Let us stand united as men and women of faith to fight for our country. That kind of language, he's already been lambasted for that before. This is a bad idea. This is literally going to lead to bloodshed. Just him saying this kind of thing is going to lead to it. It's dangerous, and he shouldn't do it. But that's not where the questionable comments ended. He had more to say in this public appearance that he made. So check this next clip out. When we start thinking that, you know, it, it, Christians are supposed to be laissez-faire, we're not supposed to really truly be involved in government or whatever's going on, I, I encourage you, look back into the Old Testament. Look at David, look at Daniel, look at Esther. 
Wait, why would Christians look into the Old Testament? There weren't Christians back then. Those are Jewish people you're talking about. Look at all of these people who influenced the governments of their day to uphold Christian principles. <laughs> to uphold what? To uphold Christian principles? In the Old Testament? I gotta wonder, does he really believe the shit that he's saying, or is he just full of shit all the way around? Does he really believe this? I try not to make assumptions about people, but statements that ridiculous, it just makes you wonder. Speaking of the book of Esther, I was talking about this earlier. It's actually fake. Like the, the book of Esther, there's no reference to known historical events in the story. A general consensus, though this consensus has been challenged, has maintained that the narrative of, of Esther was invented in order to provide an ideology for Purim, and the name Ahasuerus is usually understood to refer to fictionalized Xerxes I. The book of Esther is, is fabricated. It, it's not historical at all. It was added later or made up later to some degree, and, and honestly shouldn't even be in the Bible. So I find it fascinating that he's making reference to one specific book that, that's fabricated. It isn't even real. It doesn't even belong in the Bible in the first place. And he's calling them Christian. In the Old Testament, they were Jewish. Is this real? Seriously, is this shit real? Anyway, there's a third clip that I wanted to watch. So check this clip out, see what he has to say for himself. I believe that the power of prayer will save this country in the coming decades. You know, we live in a secular country, secular Bill of Rights and all that. This shouldn't be something that a U.S. representative is out there on stage saying. It is counter to everything that the Founding Fathers stood for. Seriously, just look it up. Thomas Jefferson had a copy of the Bible that he cut out all the magical parts from and called it the Jefferson Bible. All the shit that couldn't have actually happened. All of the bizarre miracles and magical demons being cast out and all that shit. He cut it all out and he kept the Jefferson Bible because he felt like the Bible had value but not when it started spouting off all this stupid shit. The Founding Fathers didn't believe in this kind of garbage, by and large. They believed in a secular government, especially Thomas Jefferson. But here we are, the year 2021, still eating this shit up, hook, line, and sinker. I'll tell you, when I'm in Washington, D.C., I, I know a lot of you, you consider the place to be evil and vile, and I, 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 I am here to tell you with firsthand knowledge, it is evil and vile. Uh, but I will tell you, when I'm there, I don't feel an overwhelming, an overwhelming sense of darkness and, and as if the devil has complete dominion of that area because uh, I feel a spiritual battle going on on Capitol Hill. Why would God give a shit about one country on one planet like that? Doesn't God have other projects going on anyways? I mean, there are like 192 countries in the world, aren't there? Some of which have people who are literally starving to death right now as we speak, dying of hunger. Why does God give a shit about what's happening in Washington, D.C. right now? You know what I heard the last time some guy told me that God gave a shit about what was going on in U.S. politics? It was Pat Robertson 
saying that God told him that he was going to get Donald Trump elected in 2020. And before that, it was Johnny Enlow telling us God told him he picked Trump as the new president in 2020 and he would be president. These people have no connection to reality anymore at this point. They don't accept facts in front of their faces, and if they did, they don't accept the logic that we all know and use. Patriots like all of you in this room on your knees praying that we have the back, the, the cover within this spiritual fight is what it will take to save this country. Because my friends, I'll tell you, when we're in Washington, when I have to look Nancy Pelosi in her cold, evil eyes every single day, and, you know, I, I, we all laugh because it, it's funny, but I, I'll tell you, she literally just passed a bill yesterday trying to say that we can abort babies on demand all the way up until right before the day of birth. I cannot imagine anybody would ever try to pass a bill like that. That's ridiculous. Nobody even wants that. I can see Nancy Pelosi trying to pass a bill that would allow a mother to do something like that if her life was in danger, like legitimately she was going to die and so is the baby if they didn't do something about it. I can see that being a part of the bill, but those protections were put in by the Supreme Court all the way up to like 24 weeks and some states have, or no, I think maybe it was 20 weeks, I don't remember, but anyways, the point is that's usually the, the, the deadline. This whole post-birth abortion thing, that's just made up. Like, nobody wants to kill a baby after it's born. Like, that's just completely ridiculous. It's just a piece of propaganda from the pro-life movement. And you know what? Once again, as I said, if Donald Trump had wanted to actually solve this problem for Republicans, he had complete and total control over the government from 2016 to 2018. He had the House of Representatives, the Senate, the Supreme Court, and the presidency. He had all four. He could have passed a bill to fix this problem, make it more amenable, make it closer to what they believe. Why didn't he? Maybe because this subject is the source of an awful lot of donations, and if they solve this problem, those donations go away. Who fucking knows for sure? Who knows? This is all just propaganda. Like, none of these scenarios ever actually happen. I don't even know if the, any of this is even protected under law. This is just nonsense. It's red meat for the pro-life crowd who absolutely want to do anything, literally anything, to quote-unquote solve this problem. It's red meat for the violent extremists. And like I said, Donald Trump could have solved this problem if he had wanted to from 2016 to 2018, just a few years ago. He held complete power. And where are we? Why didn't he do it? Why is Madison Cawthorn sitting on stage like four years later bitching about it instead of actually having the problem solved in their eyes? We realize that when I quip and say I look her in her cold, evil eyes, it's, it's not a joke. These people hate us. No, I, I don't hate anybody for anything. This is all part of the propaganda. This is all part of the game. They want to work people up into a blood frenzy, get them pissed off and upset and emotional and use that emotion against them. That has always been the goal. That's what they've been doing since day one. We cannot let them get away with this.
Next, we're going to talk about Robin Bullock trying to convince Donald Trump to listen to prophets like him. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to talk about is titled Evangelist Robin Bullock. God wants Donald Trump to listen to prophets like me. This is written on the Friendly Atheist website, and it's written by Beth Stoneburner. So let's give this a read and see what it has to say. Always one to have an answer for his failed prophecies, Robin Bullock now says he received a message from God warning Donald Trump to ignore people who tell him to dismiss prophets. If that sounds extremely self-serving, you're right. Bullock defended his statement by reading that message from God, along with a Bible passage ripped from its intended context. Now, I want to watch the clip that goes with this, but before we actually watch that clip, I want to catch you guys up on who Robin Bullock is. I've covered him many times on my channel, but it's been a little while, so let's watch some of the clips that he's put out. Check this out. What happens when an illegitimate man that is not ordained by God, that was not the will of the majority of the people, is pushed into an office, he has a, the power that they invested in him, is like a fire consuming him from the inside out and it will burn him away because there is no way for him to maintain that kind of authority because the authority is not real that was invested in him. Uh, so obviously he has a huge problem with Joe Biden and he buys into the whole election conspiracy shit, but it gets even worse than that. It gets even nuttier if you can imagine. Let's keep listening. It's lies, it's uh, illegitimacy, it's, it's the power of collected evil men. And this man could never remain in office, even uh, no matter what happens, he could never be the president. He's not the president. He will never be the president. Uh, no one has to have 7,000 troops surround them, put up unscalable walls in order to go into an office as the leader of a nation, except a socialist dictator. Socialist dictator. Absolutely love it. Obviously, Biden is not socialist to any degree in any sense of the term at all. But this guy's upset. I get it. He's upset. So here's the million dollar question. Why is he so upset? I'll tell you why he's so upset. Because he's one of the prophets, quote unquote, that said God told him Donald Trump is going to win the election in 2020. You know, I thought that people like this learned that date setting and making claims like that was a bad idea. I guess they just didn't. I guess they didn't learn. I guess they didn't learn from Harold Camping's example, like back in, what was it, 2014, where he paid like millions of dollars to put up these billboards saying that the end was coming in, in one specific month and it came and went and nothing happened and he had to resign in shame after spending all that money and time and everything else screaming about it on his radio show it was an embarrassment and that's exactly what this is for robin bullock an embarrassment so that's probably why he's upset if i had to venture a guess 
I would say that's probably what did it for him. So you are looking at something God did not ordain. He ordained the office, but the prophets didn't miss it. People are confusing Trump winning with him walking into an office. He's already won. There's no reason to keep saying Trump needs to win. Trump needs to win. He's already won. So prove it. If you're so completely convinced the guy won, then prove it. Give me some evidence. I'm not taking your word for it. I'm sorry, man. I can't take anybody's word for it. I need hard evidence. And right now, the hard evidence supports the fact that Joe Biden won. Not your flimsy claims that Trump won, but Biden somehow contradicted the prophecy, somehow forced God's hand and stole it away from him, despite the fact that God wanted Trump to be the president. I'm just not buying it. Anyways, after prophesying that Donald Trump was going to be the president, and then after having a little meltdown on air, how did this guy explain away his error? What was the explanation he used to kind of backpedal on it after Joe Biden was inaugurated? His was actually the most interesting to me. I wondered what he was going to say and how he's going to explain his fuck-up away. Check this one out. This, is, this clip is him explaining why he was wrong without actually admitting it. The stage is set. Everything is set. But you're going to have to pray for the rightful president whether he wants to walk back into this or not. You must pray that he wants to do it because God won't make him do anything. Is it his will? Yes. Is he the president? Yes. That's why he could just walk right back in and God will supernaturally move things out of the way. There you go. There's his explanation. So Trump actually did win. He did win, but he chose not to take over. He chose not to continue on. God would have supernaturally pushed things out of the way to make him president again if Donald Trump wanted to, but he has to actually want to. He has to walk in and take over. If he doesn't, because God's not going to force anybody to do something that they don't want to do. That's his explanation for why he actually got the prophecy correct the prophets didn't miss it, as people said. Isn't this fascinating to, like, get this glimpse into their mind to see how they think? Let's keep listening. But you need to pray for encouragement. Nobody was beat on like that, like our president. Nobody? Not one single person in the world was beat on like Donald Trump. Poor, abused Donald Trump mistreated Donald Trump. One of the richest people in the United States. White upper class, super wealthy, grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth, every privilege you could fucking imagine, and he is the mistreated one? The poor guy. I feel for him so much. Now, don't get me wrong, mistreating somebody is not okay no matter what, but Donald Trump had a habit of whining about the stupidest shit. It drove me up a wall. I have very little sympathy for him after the horrific fucked up things that he did. Let's keep listening. Nobody was beat on like that, like our president for four years. Nobody. David could have said at any time, I don't want to do this no more. I think I'll just stay in the wilderness. I've been chased by Saul long enough. 
this is the first comparison to Bible characters that this guy makes in this clip compilation, comparing Donald Trump to David from the Bible. God shows David to be the king or whatever else, right? I don't really remember the Bible story clearly. That's interesting, right? These weird comparisons to Bible characters, kind of out there, kind of strange. Make note, there are more of them. But there had to come a time when David said, I'm going back, and no matter what happens, he's the president, and he's supposed to walk back in that office. So call him back. Call him back. Call him back. Once he knows the prophets are calling, he'll come. Hallelujah. This is after Biden already took office again. In fact, I believe that this clip came out in March. This was released early March 2021. So this guy actually believes that the prophets, like himself, could tell Trump to go into office, just walk right into the White House, walk right in, take control, and God will protect you. That's what he's saying. He's saying God will protect you if you waltz your ass right into the White House. Imagine that shit for just a second. It would end badly. I'm sure of it. Oh, and by the way, before we continue, you're going to see a lot of little transitions like this here. I didn't cut out anything substantial. In fact, a lot of this is linear. It's just there were big, long pauses, and I wanted to shorten the clip a little bit. We're going to have to start publicly talking about that he's the president. Please continue to embarrass yourself. Be my guest. It's endlessly entertaining. Gives me all kinds of material for the podcast. <laughs> I know. He'll say, really? Why would you say that in public? Because he is. That's why I say it. Because he is. In the time of the two, the Bidon. Then there is, the enemies released the double. So the Lord released the Elisha anointing. Elijah anointing, another biblical reference. Notice he can compared him to David, and now he's talking about the Elijah anointing. Later on, other pastors talk about the Cyrus anointing from uh, Isaiah, I think. I don't remember where it's from. Isaiah 45, maybe? They keep making these biblical references to Donald Trump. That should raise people's eyebrows. Seriously, that should be concerning. The fact that they're comparing him to Bible characters like that. They view him as some kind of a supernaturally special person. No joke. Don't mess with us, uh, Satan. Don't mess with us corrupt political uh, regimes. Don't mess with God's people like that because I'm going to tell you something. If you mess with us, we'll call him back for three terms. Don't mess with us. Oh, please, be my guest. Try calling him back for three terms and see how that goes. This was in March, two months after Biden was inaugurated. A solid four months after everybody knew that Biden had won the election and it was over for Trump. And he's still going on about this. It's embarrassing, but hilarious. God, is it endlessly entertaining. Anyways, there's another clip that came out. This one was late September 2021. This is a brand new clip. So let's watch this clip and see what he had to say for himself. This is the clip that this article was about. You must move quickly, says the Lord. I heard those around you, and I heard this conversation, Steve. I heard those around you that advised you saying, 
Do not listen to the prophets this time. By the way, what he's doing here, I believe, is he wrote down some verses that came out of his head. He's prophesying and writing these verses like they're new books of the Bible. And he's reading them off as though they are from the Bible. Notice that it, this is a message that's coming to him through his brain, supposed to be from God into his brain, right? But it's coming in in old English style uh, speech pattern. Why would God speak to him in an old English style? God doesn't speak old English, does he? Why would he? Supposedly, God started getting involved with humans like 6,000 years ago, not 300. Am I wrong here? What's going on? Why does God speak like he lives in England in the, the 16, 1700s? That advised you saying, do not listen to the prophets this time. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord? Did God say that to you, or are you adding that in? And if you're adding that in, then why didn't you just say, that's what God said? Why thus saith the Lord? Is it because you want it to sound biblical? Is that your personal flourish that you added to the end of that sentence? Or did God actually tell you to say that? They have their own agenda. They are planning their own future, and it does not include you. But I heard this, listen to this prophet while I'm talking about this. Because I have a mantle from heaven to say these things. This is an anointing to speak into the political realm. I'm a prophet to the nations and a prophet to this nation and a prophet from Jerusalem to speak. And the Lord says this, and I heard these things. I heard a conversation say, don't listen to the prophets this time. Wait, do this, do that. I heard their conversation, but the Lord says they have their own agenda in their minds. And it don't include President Trump. It don't include him at all. They plan on running their time, his time out. I love that. Wow. I love this guy on the left here. He's a, a complete extremist to the core. But my God, this guy is entertaining too, right? On his own. Uh, Steve Schultz, he's so entertaining. He's always standing by with these prophets, quote unquote, like Kat Kerr and Robin Bullock and others saying the nuttiest shit. And he's just like, I, you know, we never learned that when I was at church or Wow, that's amazing. We never learned about this stuff. It's so entertaining to listen to this guy eat it up. And I keep thinking to myself, like, he's not buying this, right? He's he's going to kick them off his program and just never bring them back on. But no, Robin Bullock's been on this guy's program like a billion times by now. Same with Kat Kerr. He keeps bringing them back on. I have to assume that means he believes what they're saying. And speaking of what they're saying, Robin Bullock here is basically telling us he saw a prophecy or a vision or whatever of the advisors around Trump basically trying to burn up his time, trying to burn up Trump's time and telling him not yet, not yet, when he should just be walking right into the White House and taking control right now, listening to the prophets like Robin Bullock himself. Like I said, I would love it if Donald Trump did something like that. It would be so endlessly entertaining to watch, but I seriously doubt he's going to. The problem is Donald Trump knows the consequences for doing something like that, 
Secret Service would be all over him. If he just walked into the White House and tried to take control, they would never allow something like that. But Robin Bullock doesn't apparently know the consequences for that. Robin Bullock seems to think that God really would just push things out of the way supernaturally. Like, this guy lives in a fantasy land. He lives in a different reality where things work completely differently. Where the premises that he lives by are completely fundamentally different. Let's read this article by Beth Stoneburner and see what she had to say about that last clip. If anyone knows how to translate that, the floor is yours. But the gist is that Trump's advisors are working against him somehow. But God is on Trump's side. Strange, considering Trump's time ran out earlier this year. Bullock is awfully confident for someone whose prophecies of Trump's glorious return have failed. And failed. And failed again. But that's how you maintain an audience, I guess. Fake it till you make it. He's also confident that he heard God clearly, which must have been difficult considering how the sound waves had to travel through a cube made of gelatin. Yeah, I talked about that article last week, actually, or the week before. It's bad enough when modern-day Christians take ancient Bible passages out of context to suit their own unrelated political agendas. Listening to Bullock talk, though, you'd think it's number 45 himself who's the real object of worship here. And host Steve Schultz, as always, never asked any meaningful questions about the misplaced loyalties. That is weird, isn't it? Something I pointed out earlier. It's almost like Donald Trump is the real object of worship. Robin Bullock himself, in the clips that I showed you guys, mentioned Trump in a biblical context twice. And that's that's just in this collection of clips. He has been framing Donald Trump as a religious figure, not a political one, but a religious one, for a while. And not just him. Johnny Enlow, Greg Locke, all of them, Kat Kerr especially, they've been framing him as a religious figure for a while. This is a cult. This cult of personality. This cult of loyalty to Donald Trump. It's bizarre, and I am having a hard time figuring out why they're continuing to defend it. It's been like eight, ten months. We're coming up on a year now when Donald Trump lost the election, and they are going down with the ship. Next, we're going to talk about Dominionist Lance Wallnow trying to get Trump to go full Christian nationalist. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. A lot of you guys probably haven't heard of Lance Wallnow or Lance Wallnaw or something like that. He's actually an extremely influential pastor. He is what's known as a Seven Mountains Dominionist. The idea behind this belief system is that there are seven areas of life that Christian extremists, which they are, need to control to be able to control society. They don't need to worry about turning everybody in the country Christian. They just need to control the education system, the government. Uh, it's also called Seven Mountains Mandate. The seven ways in which they want to control society is education, religion, family, business, government and military, arts and entertainment, and media. 
if they can get Christian extremists to the top of each of those areas of society, then they will control the U.S. government. They'll control the United States, everything. They'll control the culture and all of it. They won't need to deport or execute atheists anymore because there won't be atheists. Eventually, in a couple generations, everybody will be a Christian extremist. That's their goal. That's what they want to do. That's what a Seven Mountains mandate is the Seven Mountains Dominionists. And this guy is basically at the top of the field in the Seven Mountains mandate. He is an extremist to the core, a Christian nationalist right out in the open, a Donald Trump supporter, and all that other stuff. So let me introduce you to the guy. This is a clip that came out, I believe, October of 2020. Give this a watch and see what he has to say. I believe Donald Trump has unfinished business in the nations. And I believe you will not let someone who has stood with Israel and stood with Christians, you will not let them be ingloriously beaten and embarrassed by your enemies because your name is part of this, Lord. What will the heathens say? What will the radicals say? What will the communists say when someone who stands with you so conspicuously is that does not have a friend in high places watching over them. But I believe you are going to watch over this president. Wow, talk about sticking your foot in your mouth on that one, right? <laughs> what would the heathens say if basically if Donald Trump lost the election? Uh, well, no need to wonder. We figured it out, huh? Donald Trump lost. Wow, that's an embarrassing thing to say. Um, I hope he learned his lesson about prophesying about the end and, and saying shit like that because it did not end well for him on that note. But I want to give you a little bit of a, a, a clearer picture of who this guy is. So check this next clip out. This one, damn it, I wish I had added the subtitles in with the dates. This clip that we're about to watch came out early June 2021, so not too long ago. Check this one out. People say, oh, Lance, I don't know. You sound like a Christian nationalist. Yes, I am a Christian nationalist. And I will take the flag that God gave us with his blessed freedom and blessed government and blessed nation, and I will take that flag and lead them to the cross. Give me the flag, and I'll carry it all the way to Calvary, and I'll plant it there where the cross is, and say, there's the one that gave you the nation. There's the only one that can save this nation. We've got to give our lives to Jesus. In case you were unaware, Christian nationalism varies in levels of extremism. It's kind of an extreme ideology in itself, just kind of inherently. It's the idea that the country that you live in, the United States specifically in this case, should be inhabited controlled and run by Christians exclusively. There shouldn't be atheists in the United States. There shouldn't be Muslims or any other type of person. It should only be Christians. And the varying level of extremism part, that comes in with how you solve that problem. Some people believe you should take atheists out, like, you know, get rid of them, quote unquote. Some people believe you should just deport them to another country, I mean, it, it varies. Being a Seven Mountains Dominionist like Lance Wallnau is, I think his goal to turn this into a Christian nation, exclusively Christian nation, is by controlling those seven areas of life. You know, education, government, arts, and all that other stuff. But if the opportunity was provided to 
do it another quicker, easier way. I don't know that he would say no to it. I don't know. This guy is an extremist to the core in the most obvious way. So, who knows? Well, anyways, after Donald Trump lost the election, I mean, this guy obviously was very in favor of Trump, based on what he said earlier. And after Trump lost the election, he was obviously pretty upset about it. Most people were pretty upset about it. One of those people who was extremely upset and who prophesied that Donald Trump was going to be the president again was none other than our friend Kat Kerr. So check out what Kat Kerr had to say about this because there's a little bit of conflict between old Kat Kerr and Lance Wall now. Give this a listen. To those who chose to cheat and steal and lie, they shall have every curse come upon them that they have spoken over my president, Donald J. Trump. I say he is the president. He won. And in 2021, you will see that he won. Uh, well, you know, here we are. Uh, 2021, still no proof that he won. I mean, zero, zero evidence that Donald Trump won enough votes to retake the election. And there's zero evidence of widespread fraud, enough that could have flipped the election. So I'm really not sure what she's even talking about here. Uh, and by the way, this... This clip came out, I can't remember, I think this clip came out after inauguration. I think January 22nd, somewhere in there. Let's keep listening. And I say I will replace the one who boldly dares to step upon the platform of my country and say it is his, for he has an evil, wicked agenda. I will not approve that agenda. I will not approve him, and no one should approve him, for I say he is wrong. He is illegitimate. And I will not confirm him. I will not talk about him. He will not be known in this land. So needless to say, she was upset when she found out that Biden was going to be president. Um, very upset, in fact. Endlessly entertaining to listen to this shit. Notice how she's wording it, though, once again. Listen. Listen to, listen to how she says this. She's wording it like she's getting these words out of the Bible. But she's telling us that God is speaking these words to her. These are words God wanted the rest of mankind to have. So he's giving us these words through Kat Kerr. He's speaking to us through Kat Kerr. Check it, check it out. No one should approve him, for I say he is wrong. Who says, for I say he is wrong? Who words things like that? You only see shit like that from the Bible. Because it's like an old English style of speaking. She's speaking in an old English way to make people think that God really is giving us this message, when in reality, she's just trying to make it more credible. That's it. It's ridiculous. So what did old Lance Wallnow have to say about Kat Kerr prophesying that Donald Trump was going to win the election and then never giving it up, refusing to accept that she was wrong? What does Lance Wall now have to say about Kat Kerr? Ministers are busy obsessing over a woman with pink hair who refuses to recant her prophecy that Trump will be in office. You know, prophets lose their own credibility with rational people. After a while, they have to recognize that they missed it. The prophets tend to um, end up exposing themselves because if they prophesy something that doesn't happen, don't you think they know it didn't happen? And the Mets will win the World Series. Well, what if they don't? 
I'm holding on. God told me and they're going to win. It may take a year, but they'll be winning it. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in elections either. Wow, how about that shit? Direct call out. Woman with pink hair. Wonder who he could be talking about, huh? Yeah, he did not like the fact that Kat Kerr kind of made a mockery of the religion. Uh, but, you know, he's not really that much better. He made a mockery of this shit, too. In fact, the next clip we're going to watch is him making a complete mockery of the religion and of himself. This clip's from mid-July 2021, and this is him explaining why he's so upset about getting his passport. Check this shit out. I have a lost passport, misplaced passport. So I went uh, yesterday to uh, Dallas, downtown Dallas, spent 90 minutes standing in line, um, showed up at 9 a.m., 8.45 in the morning. The government, typical government website, couldn't process, couldn't answer a call for an appointment, so I just walk in. Okay, frustrating. I get it. I get it. I'm not going to shred you for that, you know? Government bureaucracies can be a pain in the ass. Don't even get me started on the DMV. It's ridiculous, and it's over the top, and it doesn't need to be that way. So what's your complaint there, Lance? I have same-day flights out of the country, already booked. And they waited till I was like the last person in line. And then came up to me, which I think was like a political statement more than anything. Okay, how did you get to that? They walk up to you, the last person in line, and it's a political statement, all right? And then came up to me, which I think was like a political statement more than anything, and told me that it wouldn't be fair for me to be able to get my passport. Not that they couldn't do it. But it's a matter of principle, because there are people that were there earlier at 8 o'clock, an hour earlier, who they had to turn away. Now, I don't think there was one person was turned away who had a same-day ticket. Okay, so if they had come up to you and said, I can't give you a passport because I'm morally opposed to your worldview, or you're, you're a Christian and I don't fucking like Christians, or some other thing like that, I could see it. It was nothing more than a logistical, there were people who came here earlier and we had to turn them away and it's only fair out of principle that we turn you away too. We can't do it for, you know, principled reasons. It's not about this guy's religion, but everything, everything comes back to this guy's religion and political views. This is part of the persecution complex, but bizarrely, Usually, when they use a persecution complex, they're trying to instill it in their audience, typically. They're not explaining to people something that happened to them that couldn't really happen to the audience. It's almost like this guy is saying that he feels like he's being persecuted and is trying to get it off of his chest. But I have to say, like, when I walk into anything, anywhere, ever... I don't assume anybody has any idea who I am, no matter what. I am not anywhere near famous enough to make that assumption. I think he's actually a lot bigger than me. He has a larger following. He's got mainstream success and fame. And I don't think there was one person was turned away who had a same-day ticket. Not one. But because there were other people that walked in that were turned away, I had to be turned away. So I, I'm begin, I began to wonder if it was... Uh, political. You think so? I was wondering if it, I was singled out for a reason. So I literally said, well, I guess I got to get a letter from Congress. I got the letter from Congress. Now I have a letter from a congressman, a friend of mine. 
Okay, that's a letter from a congressman, not a letter from Congress. And aside from that, that's not how you get a passport, a letter from Congress. You have to follow the rules just like everybody else. Just because you know somebody who can sign their name on a piece of paper doesn't make you any more special than anybody else. In fact, the way he's acting is fucking disgraceful to me. This guy is acting like the most arrogant, stuck-up person alive. I would never do something like this. This is hard to watch, seriously. He's acting like he's some special person because he knows a congressman. It's really cringy. Mine. And uh, let's see if it goes on. And pray for me. I'm not looking for a fight here. I'm not looking for a news item either. Pray, pray, pray. Pray that I could get through here and not tangle with these political spirits um, that really want to harass, and, and especially if you're, if you're a conservative, that want to punish you by the bureaucracy. Especially if you're a conservative. Is there any evidence of that at all? I will take anything. Nobody is being banned from Twitter or whatever else for being conservative or for being Christian. It's not happening. People are banned for spouting off insane conspiracy theories and spreading genuinely dangerous shit that's going to harm society like the idea that vaccines are dangerous or whatever else. That's not because you're a conservative. That's because you're an anti-vaxxer. That's it. It's fascinating to me that they seem to conflate the two. They, they banned me because I'm a Christian, when in reality, they banned him because he's an anti-vaxxer. I guess in his mind, being a Christian and being an anti-vaxxer are synonymous. Like Greg Locke was complaining about being the first pastor to be removed from Twitter. Well, first of all, being the first to be removed from Twitter isn't a pattern. That's just a single removal, which means it could have been any number of things that caused the removal. And second, it wasn't because Greg Locke was a Christian. It was because he was spouting off insane conspiracy theories. These people are the kings of logical fallacies sometimes. There's a new clip that came out from this guy on his TV show, I guess, uh, Real America's Voice. Fire, uh, the name of it's Firewall with Lance Wallnow, I think. This clip is about the January 6th events and the fact that they found pipe bombs at the scene. Do you guys remember that shit? The FBI found pipe bombs at the scene of the January 6th events, like at the Capitol building. I think they found the pipe bombs in front of the DNC and in front of the RNC buildings. I don't remember super clearly, so you're going to want to check on that. But Lance Wall now had a little thing to say about it, so give this a listen. Was no weapons in the crowd. The pipe bombs they found conveniently located at the, uh, uh, you never notice that there's no story on that? Washington has an ubiquitous, it's like an octopus of a, of a thousand cameras. And, what the, and whenever they give you something they want you to see on January 6th, it's always some grainy thing like, a, like someone's, you know, camera taking a picture of Bigfoot in the forest. You can't figure out what you're even looking at. They've got the information on the pipe bomb because I think the pipe bombs were planted there by the people that wanted an optics for an incident in the Capitol. You know, they haven't actually spoken about what the motivation was behind the pipe bombs, as far as I know, because they didn't actually, they haven't found the person yet. They found a picture of the person, I believe, but they haven't caught them yet, as far as I know. At, at the moment that this is being filmed, I don't think they've caught the person yet. They are on their trail. 
And until we catch the person and talk to them, we can't really know exactly what their motivations were because there was one planted at the DNC and one planted at the RNC, I think. And that doesn't really tell us anything about political motivations or beliefs or anything. But I can tell you there's a gigantic fucking crowd of angry Trump supporters who broke into the Capitol, busted windows in, came after people. There, was a, there were gallows out back to take Mike Pence out there. That's what they were saying. And this guy is trying to downplay it and pretend it did, it wasn't that bad, didn't even happen, wanted to pretend that it was Democrats that were doing it or some other nonsense. Anything to deflect blame. It's, it's so it's it's this is why a program like this is important, because in the rush of information, we get desensitized to going back and exposing the forensic crime scene data that shows oh my gosh maybe the fbi and maybe the democratic party and maybe political operatives in dc were working together to create a uh, a narrative that would shut down the certification resistance movement in its tracks and turn over power to the machine that took the election by force why do they always go back to false flags why is the false flag like the one thing that they always want to talk about that why is it that they always suspect that it's the government pretending to do something really bad when it's obvious what happened when we have uh, people in jail who've been charged with breaking in who have been living a life of trump support for like years who have voting records going back to 2016 showing they voted for Donald Trump back then and again in 2020 these people were arrested and we know who they voted for and we know who they support because they wear that giant fucking Trump hat like you know the the shaman guy largely they were a part of the Trump movement they broke the law and they deserve to be punished for that they deserve to go to jail for that if that's what the crime calls for it's really interesting watching people like Lance Wall now try to go through amazing mental gymnastics to excuse his side of blame at any cost and blame it on communists and Antifa and socialists constantly Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system, from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues 
issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.